0: Hello and welcome to another DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books and with me is Jane Litt from Dear Author. We're back! Yay! This week we are talking about recent allegations about authors purchasing reviews and why that might be a beneficial thing for an author to do. We also talk about what it might mean for readers and Jane draws an interesting parallel between buying reviews and using drugs. No really, it's kind of interesting. We also talk about two books that we're really excited about that come out on October 1st. The music that you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater and I will have more information at the end of the podcast about who this is. I really like this and I totally already bought it and you should too. And Intermix, our podcast sponsor, would like you to know about all of you, the emotional and sexy new adult romance from debut author Christina Lee. And now, on with the podcast. I have to tell you, when I was in Australia, and I was at the Romance Writers of Australia conference, I had so many people come up to me and tell me how much they love the podcast. Like, at least 10 people, and I'm not exaggerating, just said, please don't stop the podcast, I love it so much. So there are a lot of, uh, it's weird because I have no idea how many people listen. We don't get stats, iTunes doesn't tell me anything, Podcast Pickle tells me very little. So I don't actually know how many subscribers we have or how many people are listening. I have absolutely no idea. But people come up to me and say how much they love it. And Kat in Australia listens to it. Cat from Book Thingo listens while she's driving her kids to and from school. And if she starts the podcast and the kids aren't in the car, they make her start over so they can listen to but we talk about dirty things. I know. I'm like, um, I have no idea how she spins that. But when I met Kat at the trivia night in Sydney, I went down to meet her kids because they listened to the podcast and they were looking at me really strangely. And I realized it was because my voice usually comes out of the radio, not out of a person. <laughs> they're sort of looking at me like, oh, you're a person. That's funky. But they love the podcast as much as we do. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Although I'm a little alarmed because we I have to be really, really creative with euphemisms now because they're little. You know, can't be be talking about chickens, but you know, (laughs) you sent me a link this morning of uh, zonalert.wordpress.com and until I I clicked on it, I was like... Is this another reviewers are horrible human beings alert? Oh, I
1: thought maybe you would think it was spam or something. I, I think of my emails to you, I always use, like, I think you might find this interesting. Or, some, you know, and those are
0: all the things that
1: spammers <laughs>
0: use. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I generally know you're not spamming me, but I did not know what to expect from the URLs on alert. And it's an entire page devoted to here are all the authors that buy reviews on Amazon and other places. I had no idea this was so pervasive. Well, I mean, John Locke, he he came
1: out and said that he bought reviews, and he not only said that he bought reviews, but he paid people to buy his book, which is genius because you need a concerted number of purchases in a particular time period to make Amazon believe that your book is popular. <laughs> so if you get, you know... <laughs> So if you get like a 100 purchases an hour for several hours, Amazon is like, wow, your book is really popular. Let's push it up the list. I mean, that's how their algorithms work. And Amazon has come out and said, yes, reviews matter in terms of the numerosity of your reviews um, as and as well as the um, the rating. Although I think it is actually the numerosity that matters almost as much as the rating. Now, Locke, to his credit, said... I don't care if you give me a one-star or five-star. I just want you to buy the book and give me a review. And and that's how he became successful because you can manipulate your stats like that. Now, I don't think that – I think that that site um, was too broad in its um, statements. For example, they uh, target a couple authors for having reviews by these paid reviewers – But it's easy to see that these people who write reviews for a living happen to be readers and they like some authors and wrote reviews for them because they like those books, not because the author paid for them. Right, right. But there are other people on that list where they make assertions that there are 500 plus reviews that they've purchased. And if they're making that claim, you'd hope that they have some evidence of that. The New York Times did some reporting into this issue, I think it was after John Locke uh, admitted to his manipulation of the system mm-hmm. but that Melissa Foster who's the target of a lot of those posts has all these fake re- reader awards during the time that she was publishing she her books were in the top 10 of Amazon Kindle lists.
0: That's really interesting almost as if the the, the reader review or the reader reviews that if the, excuse me the reader awards that if you look at them too closely, appear to be meaningless or for purchase to another reader, seemed like a legitimate reason to try her book.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of unfortunate outcomes to something like this. You know, the uh, first really unfortunate outcome is that readers are being not conned, but manipulated. Manipulated. And I think it, I think the worst thing isn't so much that we readers. Um, are being manipulated because let's say you buy a book and it's terrible you have that option of returning it yep um but i think it just it does two things for authors one if you're an author who's got integrity (laughs) your your playing field is uneven
0: yep because someone without integrity can game the system with a relatively small investment of time and money to buy reviews and sure
1: and and it's, it's it's lucrative think about this uh sarah on Fiverr, you can buy a review, positive review, and a purchase of your 99 cent book for $5. So let's say you buy a thousand of them. That would put you for sure within the top 50 maybe even the top 35 on the
0: amazon list and the higher you are the more sales you are seeding and the higher you are the more sales you'll get just from being in that position right because visibility. investment
1: right because off. it's all about visibility so you you spend five thousand dollars to get to the 30, 35 you're making that up the next day in sales and you'll stay in that list uh probably a week or so
0: maybe more and so you'll end up with a significant payday
1: Right, you might be making, let's say, <clears throat> for example, you sell 100,000 copies, you're only making $33,000 minus your initial investment of five, but it's still, it's still making money.
0: $30,000 is not small change, particularly in no. this economy. I mean, that's, that's, some, that's, that's annual salary for a lot of people. And you're making that in a month. Yeah. Wow. A couple weeks, maybe. So if you're an author who wants to do this without buying and gaming, you're competing against people who, with a five or $10,000 initial investment, are using services to bump their books up in visibility and do it faster and easier, basically, for that initial investment. do you, In your opinion, how many people do you think are actually using Fiverr to b- boost their books? Like if I am looking at the top 50 on Amazon in Romance, for example – does that, do you think, rec- represent a significant number of people who are buying reviews, or are those people who have an entirely different system that they're using? Unlikely,
1: because of the cost, that mm-hmm. books that are priced $399 and above are going to be buying are doing the purchase and review. Because it'd be just too expensive. You're talking eight, nine, ten dollars
0: to get the review and the purchase. But if it's a ninety nine cent book, that's not a big investment.
1: Right. Because then it's much lower. So, I mean, I think, uh, and that's the second problem with this, is that it casts the pall over everybody. Exactly. So you, you go over to that list and
0: you're like, hmm. Which one of you people gamed the system?
1: Right. And I know that there are authors who would never do that. I mean, I, I really do believe it.
0: Oh, I believe it too. And, um, and who are super popular and have a ton of reviews. And are super popular for... You know, actually writing a good book. I mean, I, I've told you this before, but sitting next to Jacinda Wilder at the romance, uh, Romantic Times Book Lovers signing this year. Yeah, she's on the list. Holy crap. Her readers, they were, there was a line always for her. Poor woman barely got a bathroom break. There was a line of at least five to six readers deep. As soon as she would finish, another group would come. They travel in a pack. And They were so excited to meet her and you can't, I mean, that's not something you pay for. That's a genuine interaction. And it was amazing to me how much I learned just from listening to her and her readers talking to one another and what they talk about because her marketing goes beyond just her books. She has other products that she recommends and they talk about, you know, clothes for larger women. She has a thong that she apparently says is the most comfortable thing in the world. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole realm of things that she and her readers talk about but that enthusiasm is all genuinely based on the books and then is growing into other areas that's the kind of readership that you can't you can't buy that that's not for sale that's not something you can purchase and and game the system into getting when you're when you have an author who is buying a bunch of reviews or buying sales and then a review how much longevity do they get Do do they release another book and then do it again and then their backlist sells? Is this like a repeat performance or do they do this once or twice and then hang it up?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, there are some very popular authors on that list. You don't know whether they use that tool to increase visibility. It reminds me of the PEDS debate. You know, uh, Ryan Braun, the cheater from Milwaukee, um, after he admitted to lying and and cheating, there was a comments about how PEDS makes good players great and mediocre players good.
0: You mean the, the, the performance steroid? Yeah, the performance enhancing drug yes. they call PEDS. Um, I, I, I the first time you said it, I was like the, the pediatrician scandal that what pediatricians (laughs) had a problem and I didn't know. Anyway, go ahead. You're not listening (laughs) to enough sports radio. I'm sorry. No, I'm not because I like sports radio when there's two people talking to each other, but in the New York area, there are so many single anchor sports radio shows where this one guy is arguing with himself in a vacuum and it's the most annoying thing to listen to. So I'll listen to Mike and Mike for a little while, but then when it's one guy yelling at himself, I can't tune in anymore. So and unfortunately, given where I am, all I'm going to hear about are is the Yankees, maybe the Mets, mostly the Yankees, and the Yankees. And there's only so much new Yankee news I can take. So I'm not as well informed as you. I'm sorry. You live in a much better sports market than I do. I don't know about that. I just have
1: <laughs> I just uh, listened to ESPN radio on my way home and work and back again. but so um he,
0: so he admitted that he had taken performance enhancing drugs and he screwed up. Well, no, what had initially happened. Was he kind of took the Lance
1: Armstrong um, position initially? Uh-huh. He said he never took performance enhancing drugs, and the test uh, that was positive, he accused the um, lab worker of
0: tampering with it. That's right, because the guy stuck it in his fridge all weekend. Right. So and the, the chain of the- possession was couldn't be couldn't be verified. Right, but that was, but he, the, uh,
1: there was never any evidence that this guy had tampered with it. In fact, Ryan Braun then later came out and said, well, I called this guy to apologize. And I thought, well, you know, you got that guy fired.
0: Um, you need to do more than apologize, dude.
1: <laughs> right, and, and um, Aaron Rodgers was a big friend of Ryan Braun, and he was all over social media defending him and saying he would bet one year's salary that Ryan Braun was clean,
0: Whoopsie. Oh, yeah. Who took that bet? Did they win? <laughs>
1: yeah, and a, a fan took that bet. And then after Ryan Braun came out with his Mia culpa a year later, came back to Aaron Rodgers and was like, "Ready? I'm ready for you to pay up. And Aaron Rodgers is kind of a dick back. But uh, I think I yeah. tweeted about how I Aaron Rodgers is a douchebag, but he's my douchebag, so I have
0: <laughs> to cheer for him. <laughs> Sorry, dude. That's all right. My, my my football team that I've broken up with is also populated by a douchebag quarterback, so it's okay. Well, you don't, you shouldn't feel bad about breaking up with them because they're terrible this oh year. Oh, my God. Are they horrible this year? However, I would like to point out that the Pirates are having one of the best seasons in 20 years. The first time in 20 years they have a winning season. This makes me so happy. Anyway, that would be baseball if you're not familiar. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see, by the way, in Australia that in two different airport lounges, I met these – uh, on, once on an airplane and once in the airport lounge, I met two Australian Football League teams, and they are all populated by exceptionally good-looking men with amazing arm muscles. And when Well, they play, I saw
1: that, but you didn't have any pictures, and I felt like you had let your gender down. Oh, no. I posted pictures.
0: I will send you the pictures. I posted pictures. Oh, I, I didn't pictures. see them. I must have um... – I saw you bragging about your encounter. Yes, I did post pictures, but the time difference meant that they probably went up at like three in the morning. Oh Oh my God. And when you play Australian rules football, you wear these tiny, tiny short shorts and sleeveless shirts and it's like thigh muscles and biceps for a good hour and a half. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful sport. We should have it here. Well, why are they running around the airport in their little uniforms? Well, they're not running around the airport in the uniforms. They're playing in their uniforms. When they're in the airport, they are usually wearing, you know, team marked uniforms and they were traveling um they a lot of them were traveling wearing shorts and uh like a, a sweatshirt and then they took the sweatshirt off and they were wearing sleeveless shirts underneath and I would be like this is the greatest airplane ride of my life. Oh my god, this is great. And they a lot of them were reading books. That was so hot. Anyway. That's funny. Um the uh did I ever send
1: you the picture of the cyclist? No. Because remember we had that discussion in one of our early podcasts about how Southern Californian books are all
0: full <laughs> yes. of cyclists, all the and then we towns. had a come back and say, "There's just a lot of cyclists out here." Yes, there's tons of them. Is there a picture of all the hot cyclists in one place? No,
1: no. They there was a picture of these two guys who are like world champion cyclists, and their thighs are like the size of a average person's torso. <laughs> <But> then- <laughs> But then their uh, their lower legs are like um, pegs, and it's just—it's all quad, bizarre. Yep. So you were talking about Ryan Braun. So he maintains his innocence, like Lance Armstrong, for a year for a year, and he says cryptically, "The truth will come out." And there there were extenuating, there were things that you guys don't know about, and you know he never revealed what the truth was. You know that w- was left to Major League Baseball. <laughs>
0: Great, because, you know, they're really good at that. So awesome.
1: finally, you know, he cuts a deal with uh, Major League Baseball to sit out the rest of the year. And, you know, I felt like that wasn't even a punishment because the team was totally out of pennant uh, contention. He was injured, so he might have been going on the R- IR list anyway and injured reserve. <laughs> Okay. and so i felt like it wasn't any punishment at all
0: no it was barely it was barely anything that would really have hurt his career or hurt him at all it was very it was weak it was way weak especially because he had ruined that other guy the one who yeah. t- the one who took position of possession of the original sample and stuck it in his fridge all week and he ruined that guy like that was dude Dude. And he was
1: all over the press saying, you guys are, you know, you guys are smearing an innocent man. And I am, you know, and then he hangs his friends out to dry. Not that I really care about Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> but that is a du- that is a real douchebag move.
0: Yep. Yep. He's a mighty, mighty douchebag.
1: It's okay. So I guess we sugar. should talk about books now. I'm so sorry. Okay.
0: Well, you were linking Aaron Braun to authors.
1: Right. Well, I just feel like it elevates books in front of the audience. And so one of the hardest things an author can do is find their audience. And there are a lot of good books um, that languish because they don't find the audience. And so do those authors, should they be buying reviews so that they can move up the list because their books are good and and need need to find an audience?
0: It's a good question. If if that is the best way to find an audience why not do it once or twice because even if it's even if it's dishonest and misleading it works you know and if you can live with the dishonest and misleading decision then it will make you successful i am shocked by some of the authors that are on this list though i had no idea
1: it's all self-published authors which makes me sad yeah there are a lot of self-published authors who are totally on the up and up and
0: who work really hard yeah and their books are great and this makes everyone suspect right but this on this list of on the the zon alert list and obviously this is their speculation and not ours they are they are alleging that rj palacio has bought uh bought reviews that alona andrews bought reviews no i no i don't think that's what they're alleging
1: the, see, I think that early paragraph is really misleading. What what that paragraph is saying, and, and the reason I think this is because I had an author pay for a Fiverr review, and that author came back to me and said the person who I paid and posted my review also reviewed all these other authors. Ah. Oh. But we didn't know if they were paid for, or whether that reviewer just likes those other authors. So I think what happens with those big name authors that they include in that very first paragraph is that there are people who write reviews for money on Amazon, but they also review other books, not for that money. they like yes. or other products and so forth. And it's S- probably what makes their account more legitimate, right? So I think that that's how those like Brandon Sanderson and so forth get got caught up in that because the person who writes reviews for money just happens to be a Brandon Sanderson. fan. Fo- fan or an R.J. Palaccio fan.
0: Because if you're looking at these authors in terms of tier, like in terms of success, the, those those people don't need to pay for reviews. They have a legitimately enthusiastic fan base that doesn't seem to need supplementation. Some of the other names on here I've never heard of, I, I know diddly-poo about, but... Right, because Arthur Palacio,
1: There's a lot of. She just, of, what's she this just won the Newbery um, Medal. She doesn't need to be buying reviews. Her, her book is recommended in every middle school and elementary school across yeah, the she country. She doesn't
0: need really any buy anything.
1: Wow. So I think that's what happened. So that's what happened to my author. This person bought the Fiverr review at my request. Right. And that the person that was paid to do the review also reviewed all these other authors. And I think that's just what happened, is that they the Zon Alert people have a list of pay of reviewers that get paid. And so they were looking through the account the past reviews of those paid reviewers.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Everyone <laughs> Apparently, your dog thinks this is a terrible idea. Yes. I like your dog. Mine just digs a hole in the carpet. Like oh, She's upset about this. Yes. Oh, yeah, look, look, people, if you're buying a review, you're upsetting the dog. Just don't do it, man. Don't do it. You found authortrade.com. S- someone sent it to me. You have the best inbox.
1: My inbox is f- so full of crazy. Ha- <laughs> I mean, half the time I don't even under, there are so many fights going on on the internet and half the time I don't under understand when they're sent to me, but I feel bad for everybody. So I respond. Okay. So someone brought to my attention the other day, this a site called authortrade.com. So authors sign up for nine ninety five per and then they buy each other's books. Um, AuthorTrade.com is comprised of a large database of authors who all want to help each other gain exposure. Every author that has signed up has priced their book at 99 cents, and you buy as many books as you think you can read, and the same number of authors will be sent links to buy your book. Our system doesn't allow you to cheat. We won't let you trade 100 books a day, but by authors purchasing one another's books, they not only get their title circulating, they also drive up their book's online ranking as an added bonus author trading is nothing new this kind of support has been going on for years on message boards so they charge you 999 to participate then you uh, ask how many authors you want to trade with could be zero three or six who knows i haven't signed up obviously (laughs) so i don't know how many you can um, buy and then you swap with the uh, those authors uh, and they buy your books i guess AuthorTrade.com's involvement is completely unknown to the public. Only you, your publisher, and your, the author you're trading with will know the secret to your marketing genius.
0: If it was really going to work so well that you were going to be a marketing genius. I can't help but think it was going to cost not more than $9.99. Well, that's whoever like set a, it up is a genius, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, at but. least it's, it's creating a, an open and obvious participation of something that has allegedly been going on for years. I remember... Well, actually, I
1: have heard about that. I've heard about private Facebook groups of yes. indie authors combining together. I've heard that about some e-publishers. I did too, yes. So, I mean, I do think it goes on and it that totally this is on. just a way of monetizing activity that goes on, um, but... And it's, there's nothing that can be done about
0: it. Nope. It, this is just something that happens. The problem is, like you said, an author who is legitimately self-publishing their book has to decide whether or not they want to use some of these systems to try to gain their audience and get in front of readers.
1: And while I don't like it, I do understand what motivates people to participate in that because they feel like, I have a really good book. If only I got in front of people, then I would be selling. And it's, you know
0: it's true. And the amount and the amount of work that it takes for an author who is self-publishing to identify the audience and identify the sites that they would like to review their book and identify the sources of word of mouth that they would like to be part of. That's a considerable amount of research to figure out who their potential audience is, let alone getting that audience to pay attention to them.
1: And you know, for most authors, author promotion is the worst part of the process. Yep. And so, I
0: I, I empathize. I totally do. Yeah,
1: I do empathize. I f- I don't like it, and I and I wish there was something we could do to a make it stop and b highlight books. You know, it'd be great if there was a matchmaking service. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For books and authors, um, but I don't know of one, I suppose our sites are something like that. But it's hard for us, you know. I don't know, I'm sure you get inundated with review requests, but we get like 300 a month. Oh, it's easily. just hard to, to filter through that. Sometimes I feel like I spend my entire time just reading
0: people's excerpts, trying to decide what book I'll read. Yep, it is hard too if you're an author and you are trying to get an audience for your book, it is really hard to figure out who you want to approach and what you want to do. And I remember even at RWA last year, the sessions that were about getting reviews were not as informative as they could have been about how to how to target and research blogs. It was like, you have to go and find them. Okay, well, how do you do that? It's not easy. I have a hard time finding other blogs that, whose tastes are similar to mine. And I run a blog. It should be a lot easier for me, but it's not you back here's here's my biggest tip for authors
1: find a book and I think I said this to you before find a book that's close to yours search for the blogs that have given that book a five star rating that's your audience i'm saying create your own shelf talker i mean i agree with you in in bookstores you have if you like so-and-so, then you're going like to like all these so-and-so. other authors. Yes. So what you're trying to do is create your own list of all-sold buys. And, and that's your audience. I mean, that if I was to give a review seminar, that would be my number one, That might be my only tip. I would just drop the mic and leave then.
0: <laughs> this will be a very short session. 10 minutes tops. Come on in. All right. Thank you very much. We're done. Yeah, but you have to pay $100, dollars 9 yes. a month to get that tip.
1: um speaking of oh i want to talk about this book that's coming out um october 1st is
0: this podcast going to come out before then should we include it in the other podcast no both of these will come out before october 1st if they have to i can edit them around no big deal go for it talk talk i loved this book
1: by sabrina elkins called stir me up have you read
0: it yet you sent me a copy and i have not finished it
1: okay okay did you? Did it not appeal to you? Because it's okay if it didn't. I'm just not gonna ever talk to you again. Oh, okay.
0: But. Well, that you know, no, no big deal then. No, tell me what you liked about it. <laughs> did you not like it though? I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> Does it not appeal to you? I have okay, dude. I did you not start it? (laughs) I did start it. Oh my god, you guys! I'm being book bullied. No, I did start it. I'm being book bullied over the internet. That's finally happening to me. Um, I I have not finished it because I have had three Jewish holidays in a row plus traveling, so I haven't had as much reading time. I did start it on the plane before it landed, but I haven't finished it. I'm sorry. Please go ahead and tell me why it's awesome. I
1: just really like this book and um, you know we talk about how it's difficult for good authors to find an audience mm-hmm. and I hope that that's not the case with this author. It's her debut book you would never know that it is a debut. It's so wonderfully written um, and it, the reason why I thought of it was because it's an upper yA crossover I um, you know there's a lot of romantic tension in it. And I think that adult readers would be happy. I know I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't read YA as an adult because I don't think that the issues that these young kids talk about are relevant to my life. But I think that Cammie, who is in her senior year of high school, she's not focused on high school. She's focused on her future. She wants to be a chef. Cammie wants to be a chef. Her father's a chef, and he keeps pushing her to go to college. And he tells her things like, being a chef is a very hard life. You don't get any holidays off. You spend you you don't spend enough time with your family. It's um, grueling work, and that's not the life that I would wish for you. Um, his wife had left him very early on, and he and Cammie had been alone for a while, and so you kind of get the sense that may he he's kind of regretful for the choices that he makes and doesn't want his daughter to go through kind of the pain that he may have suffered when his wife left him. The interesting thing about this book is that she has a great relationship with her father and she has a stepmother with whom she has a great relationship with, which is totally rare. Yes. <laughs>
0: and, usually, and th- usually those people are completely vilified. Right. So what
1: happens is that the stepmother has a nephew that was deployed to Afghanistan. I think he's in the army and he sustained an injury, um, which results in a below the knee amputation. And he comes back and, and, um, she pretty much raised him after the death of her sister. So she, he comes back and lives with them in their house. Um, and they have, um, a lot of tension Uh, At the beginning because he's angry and she's kind of pissed off because he's staying in her bedroom while she's been shuttled to this tiny alcove in the house. and
0: And if I remember, all of these decisions are just sort of made and then she's informed of them like it's okay.
1: Right, and and what is she going to say? Oh no, I want to sleep in my own bedroom. Make your, you know, war wo- war hero, wounded war hero, sleep on the sofa. Or, right, exactly.
0: Or- she can't defend herself without seeming really selfish. Even though these decisions are sort of handed to her.
1: Right. Right. And so I, I just really adored the romance between her and Julian, Cami and Julian. And I thought that the way that she talked about cooking in the book was really beautiful. I've read a lot of chef books. And I thought this was one of the better ones that incorporated cooking because you could really sense Cami's passion for it. And her cooking serves as a way that she expresses herself. Um, In the Ilona Andrews series, uh, in, in, in the shapeshifter myth that she's built, uh, serving food to someone is a courtship gesture. Mm-hmm. And, and Sabrina Elkins kind of has Cammie do that almost unconsciously. Cammie starts to create these dishes. She becomes inspired, and she doesn't overtly say who she's cooking for, but you, the reader, knows who she's cooking for.
0: That's a, I think feeding people is very intimate and can be very erotic, it's an underused element of courtship, I think.
1: Yeah, I just really liked it. And it's going to be, it's on sale, right? It, the pre-order price is $1.99. And I believe that's going to be the on-sale price for some interminate, in, indeterminate amount of time. Um, but I really thought it was a lovely book and I hope that people read it. And if you don't like it, podcast audience, I'm going to treat you like I treat Sarah. I'm yes. not going to ever talk to you guys again. You're
0: going to get book bullied. there will be a really <laughs> boring, boring, boring podcast because <laughs> Jane will not speak with me and that will just make this very, very dull. Unless I That's can right.
1: That's right. If you don't come back and tell me you love this book, I am going to be silent in the next podcast. Yes,
0: you are. You are. I will be dead to her and that just will not go well. <laughs> have a feud for April Fool's next year where we like have this big blowout fight <laughs> and do really horrible things to each other and like dox each other. And I'll reveal that you're actually like somebody who lives in his mom's basement. And your name is Jared. <laughs>
1: I wish I lived in my mom's basement. It is seems your, like it will be a lot less stressful.
0: Yes, having a mortgage in your own home would be—it is pretty difficult. It's much nicer to have someone else's basement.
1: <laughs> Speaking of negative reviews, I came across an article about how Grand Theft Auto had hired this publicist whose sole job was to create controversy about Grand Theft Auto.
0: Yep, doesn't surprise me at all. That's we should
1: th- be selling our negative reviews. We, we should, should totally sell- do it. We should sell for like $1,000 per package um, blog
0: fight. Oh, my gosh. That is such a brilliant idea. Like if you hire one of us, it's one price. But if you hire both of us to have a fight about your book, then it is like primo, premium, extremely high-end package of promotion.
1: We promise to post our negative review on Goodreads, Amazon, and Barnes and & Noble within 24 hours of your purchase. We will tweet about your bad behavior. We will put you on every author's behaving badly list that we can find.
0: And if we can't find one, we'll make we one We will up. create one. <laughs> and for an additional $19.95, if you act now, we will find all the best animated GIFs that are really offensive and annoying and use them in our reviews as much as possible. Act now. <laughs> this deal won't be around forever (laughs) well i I can i can already feel the island we're going to buy with our winnings (laughs) (laughs) all right make it happen all right yeah sure i'll get all that well there's a book i want to tell you about okay i want to hear it okay so does rosebud this is awesome i love your dog as a guest on our podcast can we interview her Okay. All right. So there is a book that has been getting a lot of buzz that I've heard about months ago. It's called The Rosie Project by Graham Simpson. And I interviewed the author in the last podcast when I finally decided to stop being a big, shy person and go up to authors in the green room in Brisbane. Graham Simpson wrote this book. This is his first novel, although he's written screenplays and other projects. And it is from the man's point of view. It's a gentleman who is really, really smart. He does a lot of research about Asperger's for a presentation that he makes on someone else's behalf. It takes him a really long time to say, okay, well, maybe I am like that. Maybe I have that same thing. But it, when you read his his account of how he lives and how he structures his life, it's clear that he is a very unique and exceptionally intelligent and very regimented and scheduled individual. And he decides that because he is a scientist, the best way to find a wife is to come up with a very orderly and specific survey to find the perfect partner so that he can identify what it is that will make a good partner for him. And in the process of doing that, he meets this woman named Rosie, who does, of course, not fit his profile at all. And so he doesn't think of her as a, qu- a candidate for his project But he can help her because what she's trying to do is find her biological father. And he is a geneticist who has access to genetic testing equipment at his university. And they sort of have this weird friendship that he really does not know what to do with. He doesn't know how to fit her into the schedule of his life. And he keeps rearranging his schedule to make room for her and doesn't see the significance of doing so. It's so so deep point of view from his perspective that it's a – it's – It's so absorbing. And everyone who's told me about it has said it's so great. It's so amazing. It came out in Australia in January, and it's already been sold into uh, film rights, and it comes out in the States on October 1st. The thing that's amazing about it is that it's already been translated into at least 20 or 25 languages and it's already been sold in many other countries we're getting it late which is usually the reverse we usually get things first and then everyone else has to wait we're one of the last countries to get this book and it's such an interesting romance and because it's from his point of view it was so unique to me you really don't get any point of view from the heroine it's all from his perspective it's a wonderfully easy to read book in that you don't like you don't sit down and read it and feel like okay this is going to hurt this is going to be un- this is going to be unpleasant but there's so much emotion and empathy and it's funny and lighthearted and hysterically funny in some scenes but it's also about something that's really hard how does someone who really doesn't know how to interact with people learn to interact with people and oh gosh it's i just really really loved reading it i read it on the flight from Vienna to JFK, which is about 10 hours. And I, I did a lot of reading on these long-haul flights. It was awesome. I read like nine books the whole trip home. This one was the one where I I didn't even want to get up to go to the bathroom on the airplane. I was enjoying it so much. It was wonderful. I'm really curious how the American romance audience will receive it because it is so different. And it's so, it's so much from the hero's point of view, which is not something that we get – it's a sort of unlikely romance. It's not quite a romance, but it's, ex- it's about basically it's about a courtship. The thing is the, the heroine's pr- point of view is, is it's just not in there. And I'm, I'm so interested in how romance readers will receive it, but I loved it and I can't wait for it to come on sale so I can tell everybody about it. And I can send you uh, a copy if you'd like. I actually have a paper copy that I bought in Australia because it wasn't available here yet. Why?
1: Well, I, I can't read paper books. I don't know how they work. Oh, yeah. But I will buy it. It sounds fascinating. And I love those books that um, <clears throat> have the uh, are written from the male point of view. In fact, I recommend the Trish Dollar book quite a bit, um, Something Like Normal, which is written from the returning soldier's point of view.
0: And that's all for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. The music that you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is a new artist for us. I always think it's so cool that she finds new and new music for us. This is a flutist and piper who is from Spain and he performs under the name Hevia. This is off of his album The Other Side, which is available on iTunes. And this song is called Son del Busgoso. That's B-U-S-G-O-S-U. Son del Busgoso. I don't actually know what that means. Now I need to go find my Spanish-English dictionary. I have no idea what a busgoso is. Intermix, the sponsor of this year podcast, would like you to know about All of You, A Sexy and Emotional New Adult Romance from author Christina Lee. It is available wherever ebooks are sold. We have another podcast hopefully going up next week that's all about paranormal romance recommendations. And it was inspired by an email from a listener. And if you would like to send an email as a listener to share your ideas or you have a question for us, you can reach us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can call us on our Google voice number, which is one two zero one three seven one 371 Don't forget to give us a name and where you're calling from so we can work your message into an upcoming podcast. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and wherever you are, Jane and I wish you the very best of reading.